Do you have a journaling habit? Well, if you're like me, you have tried on and off, but it's never quite stuck. Well, today we are covering the real reasons journaling is essential for successful leadership and how you can cultivate the habit so that it actually works. A warm welcome to Amber H., Marissa R., Christopher A., and Emily J. to the Modern Manager Podcast Plus community. Today's guest is Antonio Garrido. Antonio has over 25 years in senior leadership positions with world-class businesses. As an executive coach, author, and speaker, he's an expert in leadership transformation, shaping high-performance leaders out of highly stressed and overworked leaders. Antonio and I talk about the power of journaling, when and how to do it correctly, how to gain greater self-awareness and overcome your leadership blind spots, and a whole lot more. Now here's the conversation. Are you a manager, boss, or team leader who aspires to level up and unleash your team's full potential? You're listening to the Modern Manager Podcast, and I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Each week, I explore effective strategies and provide actionable insights that supercharge your management abilities, optimize team performance, and foster a healthy workplace culture. Become a rockstar manager and help your team thrive at themodernmanager.com slash more. Thank you so much for joining me today, Antonio. I'm looking forward to diving deep into the world of journaling and leadership and how we can be better through this act that is something that I struggle with, but I'm trying to do more of. So I'm really excited to learn from you today, um, as well as my audience, I'm sure. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, don't worry, we'll make it all easier for you, I promise. Thank you very much for the uh, invitation. I'm a big fan of the show, so I do appreciate it. All right, let's talk about just at the highest level, kind of what do you see as being like an effective manager or an effective leader? And then we'll talk more about like, how do you use journaling and other kinds of techniques and skills to be that type of leader? But let's maybe start with that first. Like, what is it that we should all be striving for when it comes to being a great manager or being a great leader? If anybody were to, you know, wander into, I don't know, Barnes and Noble, there are other bookstores available, but, and go to the business section, of 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 said bookstore, there are miles and miles and miles of books about leadership and about management, and it's 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 a very it's a perennial conversation, which is you know what's the difference between leadership and management? How do they differ? And a lot of people think that leadership and management are the same thing, but they are actually completely completely different things. If we work on the principle that all leaders and all managers have some similarities and then they have some differences. So the similarities will be, uh, I guess, as simple as, um, you know, maximizing potential because a leader, they have a responsibility to maximize the potential of themselves, their people, and therefore by default, their organization. And it's their job to future-proof the business. That's, that's what leadership is all about, I guess, at 50,000 feet. And management, I guess, is similar in that they're also they're involved in conflict resolution. They're involved in resource allocation, of course, and but in a much more kind of granular level. But it's still about maximizing potential, again, of themselves and their people and their organization. So there are some similarities. So I'll give you that as a as a given straight out of the uh, uh, off the bat. And I guess the best way that I've described uh, or that I've come to understand the difference. The differences between leadership and management. And just before I answer that, let's also consider, are all good leaders good managers? And are all good managers good leaders? And the answer to that is also no, right? So there are some people who are 
just tip-top excellent managers, but they're fairly dreadful leaders. And then there are some tip-top leaders who are, of course, fairly dreadful managers. For me, um, management is the use of directed authority, which is kind of telling people largely, even if they do it with a nice pair of slippers on, but largely, you know, what to do, do this, say that, asking this, perhaps think about that. So even if it's done nicely, it's still the use of directed authority. And the way that I kind of describe it is it's lighting fires under people. And leadership is more about delegating results instead of instead of delegating actions. And so for, for me, therefore, leadership, and it's actually uh, the topic of the book I'm currently writing that we talked about whilst we're off air, so my fourth book, is about the differences between leadership and management. Leadership is lighting fires within people, and management is lighting fires under people. Whilst all ways about maximizing potential at all levels, miles and miles of books <laughs> about that very topic. And for me, I guess it, I can summarize it in those you know fifty words or so. Did that make sense, or do you want to disagree? Yeah, I mean, I want to I want to reflect it back and say I think the two pieces that feel really resonant. One is that whether you're a leader or a manager or both, because many of us are probably actually both all the time, right? That it's really about maximizing potential. And I love that nuance of for yourself and for your people, and therefore by extension for the organization, that we have to be our best. We have to support our people to be their best. And when that happens, then the organization can really be its best and do its best. So that's Absolutely. a beautiful framing. Another exercise that we give uh, our clients to do, and maybe maybe your audience might want to uh, think about doing a similar, uh, you know, forming a similar exercise for themselves, is that because most people do confuse, and there is an overlap. I mean, if you did a Venn diagram, right, you'd do a circle for leadership and a circle for management, and of course, there is an overlap. So. And most people think that they're living in that overlap most of the time, but they're really not. So how do you know what it is that you're doing? Now, you know, one of the beautiful things about, let's say, manufacturing is you can get somebody to come and do a time and motion study and just follow somebody around and you know exactly what they're doing every 30 minutes over every day and you can figure out wherever. But it's hard to do that with people. And when we do you know, follow uh, our clients around with their permission, you know, it's not stalking. And we ask them what what it is that they think they're doing at this moment in time. In other words, let's say they're in a meeting and they're, you know, doing whatever it is that they're doing at the meeting. Then we get to the end of the meeting and ask, okay, do you think you you were a manager in that meeting or were you a leader in that meeting, right? And they always say, well, I was both. So, okay, okay, yeah, I get it. That's Because that's the title on your business card. But do you think you were leading in that business or were you managing? Sorry, in that meeting, were you leading or were you managing? And most of the time, they get it wrong. <laughs> most of the time, they say, oh, I was leading. We say, okay, well, actually, you were managing. And, and we give them the reason why. So it's a good exercise to kind of think about. So maybe your audience could do that. So if you just did, you know, like a, if you draw like an x-axis going across the bottom and a y-axis going up and down. So you have like a, you know, like two axes crossing in the middle. And then along the, the x-axis, you write reactive and proactive. And then along the y, you, are, you write people-focused or task-focused, right? So that helps people go, okay, 
now I understand there are four ways that I'm measuring the thing that I'm doing. So is it reactive or proactive? In other words, was it something I was intending to do at the beginning of the day, or am I reacting to fires that have started somewhere or certain demands that have been placed upon me? So so I know whether I'm being reactive or proactive, so I can put a dot on the line, right? How reactive and proactive am I being? How people-focused and how task-focused am I? And if you find yourself constantly, it's the Eisenhower matrix, but if you find yourself constantly task-focused and reactive, not only you are a manager, you're a bad manager because <laughs> you're constantly fighting fires. But if you find yourself proactive and people-focused most of the time, then you'll probably be more of a leader. Yeah, I that- love simple models like this where we can assess ourselves and look at that dimension. And, and those are very clear things that managers need to be thinking about, right? Am I thinking about the work to get done? Or am I thinking about the people who need to do the work? Am I being proactive, as you say, about what needs to happen? Or am I being reactive and letting my day get swarmed by all the all the things, right? And being able to assess different moments in time of your day, different days of the week, different times of the year, you can get a good picture of how you're showing up. You know, so many people say, you know, I'm just firefighting, firefighting, running from one thing to another, and that's just how my world is. And we just go, okay, well, let's just hold on, time out for a second. If you're constantly firefighting, then you're probably the arsonist. And you need to start to figure out either how to delegate better, which most managers are very poor at, or or you need to figure out how, remember I said resource allocation and conflict resolution, you need to figure those things out better because it's the age old, age old, you know, am I working on the business or am I working in the business? Let's maybe shift for a second here because I think, you know, one of the things that is so important for managers, and you talk about this in your book, is self-awareness right? Being able to understand ourselves and know ourselves well and see ourselves for our strengths and our weaknesses. Can you talk a little bit about how we can develop some of that self-awareness so that we can be more people-oriented and more proactive because we have the self-awareness to help get ourselves there? It's a good point because it's absolutely critical because until we can turn on that kind of self-awareness tap, we are always, always, always going to struggle. I remember I gave a talk to about 400 leaders, managers, all industries, all sizes, um, all, all markets and verticals, segments, and so on. And I asked them, I said, hey, everybody here, by a show of hands, who thinks, who believes that they have no blind spots, no leadership blind spots, no management blind spots, no by a show of hands, who has none of those? Now, thankfully, me, thankfully, nobody put their hands up. I was like, okay, good. That's that's a good start because if everybody had put their hands up, would have had a much longer talk than what I had planned, right? So I said, okay, great. So everybody knows that it's probably likely that they do have some leadership lines. So then I said, okay, now do me another favor and just write down what they are for you. And of course, now it's tricky because if they knew what they were, they wouldn't be blind spots, right? So... And then everybody kind of like thought for a second and then made the realization, yeah, I don't know what they are because they are a blind spot. Let's, let's bring that into the equation that the reality is we all have blind spots, but we don't know what they are, right? We just don't know what they are. We Oftentimes we think we know what they are, but we don't know what they are. Now, here's the other problem. Whenever you're in a senior position in an organization, 
like you run businesses and I run businesses. Nobody's ever come. And I've, you know, I've run what you would call a Fortune 60 company with thousands of employees and billions in revenue and so on. And everything from, you know, one-man bands all up to that kind of size. No one ever came to me and knocked on my door and said, hey, Antonio, have you got five minutes? I said, yeah, come in. What's on your mind? And he said, I just, well, I just wanted to let you know, I've been watching, I've been paying attention to what you've been doing over the last six months. And I just thought I ought to share with you that I think you're dreadful in every regard. I think you're terrible. I think you're the worst, the worst manager. You are dreary beyond compare, and I can't stand it, right? No one ever said that to me once ever, right? So that's the other thing. So I'd like every one of your audience to ask themselves this question. What percentage of the time do your people tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Now, it's not 100%. Neither is it zero, right? But there is, a, there is like, let's say, a truth gap, which actually you'll find if you do the research, it's very, very correlated to a trust gap. And so you're not hearing the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Okay, so we know we've got some blind spots. Nobody's telling us what they are. I remember I saw an interview with um, uh, George Bush Sr. after he was no longer the president of the United States. So he'd left the White House. But you chaps still call ex-presidents Mr. President. But anyway, that notwithstanding, he just uh, come off the 18th green in a pro-am golf tournament. Remember, he's no longer the president, right? Somebody shoved a camera in his face and said, hey, Mr. President, how was the golf? And he thought for a second, and then a moment of clarity, which is fairly rare for him, he said, it's, um, it's amazing how many games of golf he's lost since leaving the White House. In other words, whilst everybody was the president, everybody let him win, right? Why? Because he was the president. And so it's hard to get to this truth. Okay. So if your people aren't going to tell you, if you can't tell yourself, how do we know what these blind spots are, how do we know how to close these gaps? Well, there's, there's, there's only two ways, right? Well, I suppose there's three ways. You can light a candle and say a prayer and hope for divine intervention perhaps. But other than that third way, right, we either take an assessment, which will give us an, an empirical objective rather than subjective view and say, well, you're not terrific in here and you're not very good there and you're not very good here and perhaps you need some work over there. So that's one option. And then the other option is to develop, to develop your own self-awareness, which is what we want every leader to do and every manager to do. So, so you have to develop your own self-awareness such that you can say to yourself, I need to up my game over here, or I need to improve over there, or I need to get better over here. And journaling, which as you alluded to <laughs> at, the, at the top of that segment, um, is, is a key way of doing that. Now, of course, everybody's now suddenly grown right, and reached for the off switch, but just give me a couple more minutes, right? But, well, I'll, I'll leave it at that, but if you want me to talk more about that topic, I will, but if you want to go elsewhere, then that's okay too. And I mean, I think that I have experienced similar kinds of of self-awareness through the process of reflection, which I think is often done better through journaling. But just in general, I, I think what you're saying is the idea is that we actually know deep down what those blind spots are, or we can discover them through our a process of introspection that we can facilitate for ourselves. But And that journaling is a method 
to help us find those things that we have deep inside of us that we're maybe not yet aware of, but we we have the potential to become aware of. Is that right? I think you said it better than I ever could. So yeah, so the, the point is that this principle that wisdom comes from evaluated experience as opposed to just time served, right? Or training, let's say, for example. You know, you may have an MBA from Princeton, right? That doesn't make you a great leader, right? Just because you know business strategy, for example. So the self-awareness, it kind of works like this, that if every morning you spend just a couple of minutes planning the day and planning the key events of the day, so not the whole thing. So so by the way, journaling isn't, you know, dear diary or a to-do list or, you know, it you know, just like your life experience, you're not that interesting, right? You're not Ernest Hemingway, I'm afraid. So, so if if it's very much more intentional, so that and, and everything that we talk to our leaders and managers about is this principle of intentionality. So if you say, okay, well, here's what here's what I need to achieve today, even to the extent that you might say, is one thing that I have to get done today that I can't go to bed without having done, right? And the beauty of that is you start being more intentional, so you're more proactive than reactive. We mentioned that earlier. But then you say, okay, well, here are the things that I want to get achieved today. Great. So now we've set, if you like, an intention for the day. And you can make the decision at that point, am I going to be a leader today? Am I going to be a manager today? Am I going to be a resource for somebody today? Am I going to help move this project along the beach or whatever it is? Okay, so then you then, at the end of the and you brush your teeth every morning, so you'll, you'll spend five minutes doing that. So spend five minutes doing this and that in, in an habitual way. Okay, so then the day unfolds, and now it's evening. And now you say to yourself, well, did I get done everything that I had intended to do? Or was I distracted? Or did I avoid things? Or blah, 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 blah. And it's quite simple where you'll just say, all right, if I could give myself you know, a report, you know, a score for today, Right? What was my leadership report card or my management managerial report card? What would that look like today? Would it be an A plus or an A minus or a, a, a B minus? What that then thought, so this is hindsight. This is this reflected practice that you were mentioning. What then happens is invariably, and by the way, if you're saying you are A plus every single day, then you have other issues. You're a megalomaniac and you need to go and get help. But anyway. So let's assume that you said, okay, yeah, probably a B minus today. So that reflective practice, probably a B minus today, that's all hindsight, isn't it? You're looking backwards. You're saying a B minus. What that forces you to then do, to answer your question, is to say, well, what would I or could I or should I have done or not done or said or not said or what ways should I have behaved or acted differently to make that B minus an A minus, for example? And then what we start to do is we start to retrospectively react uh, in the rear view mirror, say, well, maybe I could have done more of this. Maybe I should have done more of that. Maybe I should have done more of the other. Okay. So that hindsight leads to a, a version of insight. Well, oh yeah, I need, yeah, I'm seeing some patterns here. This is my problem going forwards. I need to fix this. I need to fix that. Here's what then happens. You do that with enough density. What then happens is at some point in the not too distant future, let's say about 20 days. So we're not talking years, we're talking three weeks. What then happens is something happens to us in the debt. We meet an event or something and 
we know that we're going to have to review what we're about. Well, it's about to come out of our mouth. We're going to have to give ourselves a support for it a little bit later on. And we think, what would future baby <laughs> say, give me score for this if I get this wrong? So what? So that hindsight, which led to insight, now leads to a, just a second of foresight where you'll say, I could say this. I'm tempted to say that, but I'll thank myself later if I respond this way instead of reacting that way because we respond to things versus reacting to things. What that then does is it starts to build that self-awareness, right, in in the moment, sort of situational self-awareness instead of retrospective self-awareness. And then over time, that muscle builds, muscle builds, and then that leads to foresight and then recite where you go, we're going to hit an iceberg if we keep going down here. So let's move over there and, and recite. So that answer your question. It was a long answer to a very short. Oh my question. gosh, I I love that. I, I want to like go back first and say like I'm so happy that journaling doesn't have to be a like. Today I worked on this project and I had such and such for dinner, right? That <laughs> like the journaling actually has at least in the way that you're describing it around self awareness is very targeted and very focused. It has a home at the start of your day and the end of your day, and it can be a very brief but intentional time. And that it's it doesn't have to be something that you do for six months before you feel the value. That it can be something that even in that initial first day setting that intention can be very powerful. And in a short couple of weeks, you have enough data to see trends that you can start to take action or it'll start to kind of seep inside uh, into your brain in ways that are maybe less obvious, but are kind of soaking in. So yeah. That all feels very exciting and much more manageable than like my fits and starts of like, I'm going to have a journal and I'm going to now stare at a blank page and not know what to write and then put it away because I feel bad that I didn't know what to write. That's the issue. When when we asked people, when I was first asked, oh, terrible story, but anyway, there you are. When I was first asked by my CEO a million years ago, because I'm fairly ancient, whether or not I journaled, and of course I didn't, and I said, you know, I reported that I did, and, and he then asked me why. And I said, the first thing that sprung into my mind, I just said, probably because I'm not a 16-year-old Victorian schoolgirl, because there were people I could think that were just sitting writing a journal, right? And then, fortunately, he smiled, and he said, well, just go and find eight of the most uh, successful people. I don't know why eight, but eight of the most successful people you can think of in any walk of life, In you know, could be sports person, could be an entertainer, a musician, it could be a politician, it could be a business, anybody, right? And find eight and see how many of those journal. And I found eight and every single one of them did. And I thought, is that a coincidence? You will find that anybody, and anybody that tells you that they're really serious about improving themselves and their business and their people and all of that kind of stuff and doesn't journal, just frankly, just don't believe them. But the issue is this, that you mentioned, where we say to people, Hey, listen, when you join our program, we're going to give you prompts for two years, every single day, Saturday and Sunday, Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, your birthday. Every day means every day, like you do with your teeth, right? It doesn't matter whether you're tired or not feeling very well, right? Whether you're busy, you've got other things to do. You do it every day because it's just habitual and it's just stamped on your DNA by now, right? I have four children. It wasn't easy to get four children to brush every morning and every evening, but they get that habit, right? Anyway, so people say, well, I don't know what to write. I don't know how long to write. I don't know what to write about. So what? how can I do it? Why would I do it? We go, don't worry. 
we make that real easy for you, right? We have a, a, a model of management, model of leadership. We've got 20 or 40 competencies, and every day is a different competency, and we tell you what we're trying to achieve and just fill in the blanks and get into the habit of it, and then makes it makes it super-duper easy. So here's my point. I'm going to say 80% of the people, when we first start talking to them, their biggest issue is journaling. Can we just do the other stuff and not the journaling? And at least 80%, right? Most of them just go, really? Some of them say, well, can I type it? And we, we don't let them do that either. When we say, no, it's got to be handwritten, but we'll tell you what to write and all that kind of stuff. The, the, the people invariably are the most against it and the most anti and the, 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 the least enthusiastic. They're the people that nearly, I can't tell you, we get hundreds of images every day. People take images of their day and they send them to us and they, they just, it's phenomenal when people, when you get into the habit and then it's not, you're not resisting it because it's just, you brush your teeth, you know, you just, that's what you do. And if you're a leader and a manager and you're trying to improve and you don't journal, I don't believe you. Everything you're saying is so, so compelling. And while I also love my typing and keeping things digitally because it's easy to find and it's easy to schedule and just, you know, put all that stuff there. There's also something really, really nice about a physical journal and a nice pen. And when I was reading your book and it was like, go get a really nice journal and a really nice pen, I was like, yes, it's like the new workout clothes when I like, I'm going to start a new routine. And it's like, the first thing I want to do is get really nice workout clothes, even if I don't need new ones. It's just like, it's very exciting. It makes it feel fresh and special. And I, I love that the approach is this is an important part of your life. And you need to take it seriously. And you're going to do it every single day. This is not like go spend money on something really nice and then let it sit there on your desk. And, you know, you kind of look at it out of the side of your eye and wish you hadn't spent that money. This is actually make an investment and then follow through on it. i tell you what else we find, Mamie. So just two things to say on that. A while ago, one of our clients came to us and he'd been, let's say he'd been journaling every single day for a couple of years. And he came to us and he said, um, can we have these bound so that my children can read them after I've gone? Right. And he said, because the things you're asking us to think about, consider as a team, I would love to be able to ask my dad his thoughts about these things. His father had passed away is the point. And he said, I, I asked Mike, I showed my kids some of the things and said, would you like to have these after I'm... See, in other words, he was saying to me, I am going to do this every day for the rest of my life, right? <laughs> I want to, I want to bind them in some way, have them leather bound, you know, as a legacy piece for, you know, for for my children, maybe their children, their children, and so on. So, when you get when you get what it's what it's really trying to achieve, wouldn't you? I mean, I don't know. I'm sure your parents. Let's say your grandparents are they still around? Or all of them can't be. No. So wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be interested? Look, my grandparents couldn't write, but imagine that they could. I would love to read that stuff, right? So yeah, it's uh, once you get the, I'm going to say the book because he values it, but once you recognize that it's your path to maximizing your own potential, then there's no resistance. There's only resistance at first because it's a credibility issue, right? And sometimes it's, it's a comfort zone issue. So you know, and I know, and all of your audience knows, because otherwise they wouldn't be listening, that, you know, there's no comfort in your growth zone and there's no growth in your comfort zone, right? This is very much 
not a comfort zone thing. If you want an easy life and you want to just, you know, leadership and management to be stamped on your DNA and you just get better by it as a consequence of time served, then that's not what this is. This is about intentional hard work to get better. And your people deserve that amount of effort from you, I think. Wow. I think that is the perfect place for us to wrap up. So I know time is flying. So Antonio, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fabulous boss? Yeah. And it's another really good exercise for all of your people. So I talked about it in the book, but I'll try and compress it. The chap that said to you journal, and I said, no, because I'm not a 60-year-old Victoria school schoolgirl. Um, a, a few days after that, he asked me to come into his office and he asked me another question. And he said, have you ever worked for a terrible boss? And I said, yeah, half for a terrible boss, you know, present company notwithstanding. I've worked for some quite horrific bosses. And he gave me a blank piece of paper, and this is what I'd like your audience to do. And he said, write down what a terrible manager looks like. And I wrote down a few things, and you could imagine what that might be. Micromanager, inconsistent, place favorite, I don't know, whatever, right? And then I gave him the list. He said, right, write a few more. This is odd. So I wrote down a few more things that terrible leaders and terrible managers, terrible bosses do. And then gave it to him and he said, just do a few more. So now I've got a list of maybe 15 things. He said, correct. That is a that is a tip top list of what dreadful looks like. He said, will you do me a favor? So I said, yes. He said, whilst ever you're running my company, he said, do you, will you promise me you'll never do any of the things on that list, right? And I said, yeah, okay then. And he said, and have that list with you at all times. And if I ever see you in the corridor or meet you in the canteen, let's get the list out and talk about it. And he was an incredibly enlightened leader and incredibly enlightened manager. And if your audience takes nothing other than this, that away from this conversation, make a list, write down what does terrible management look like and promise yourself, keep it with you at all times. It, you know, stick it as... Take a photo of it and make it the wallpaper, you know, the background or screen saver. And just don't do ever any of those things ever. Then you'll be better. Love that story. Thank you so much for sharing. And where can people learn more about you and get a copy of your book? Tell us what your book is and where we can find it. Okay. Well, you can get a copy of the book anywhere, anywhere right? So, but Amazon, it's available in all formats, right? So it's my daily leadership. So, and actually this is... The, the first book that I personally narrated. So if you want to hear me reading it, that's fine. So it's available in usual places. So it's just My Daily Leadership. And the website is my, you know, all the W's, mydailyleadership.com, mydailyleadership.com. And if you want to write me an email, it's antonio at mydailyleadership.com. And I promise I'll get around to answering you as soon as I possibly can. And go on the website. There's loads of free stuff. And we talk about assessments and there's a 30-day journal just to see if you can possibly do it without crying yourself to sleep every night. Amazing. Thank you so, so much. I am feeling a renewed inspiration to start my own journaling practice again. So thank you. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. I hope your chaps did too. Antonio is giving members of Podcast Plus free access to his Leadership Blind Spots white paper, which looks closely into the nature of Leadership Blind Spots explores their key impacts, and offers robust strategies to identify and navigate around them. In addition, members get 15% off the leadership assessment. This assessment will benchmark your own leadership ability with the proprietary My Daily Leadership Assessment powered by PeopleBest. You will gain insight into your leadership effectiveness, uncover your key strengths and weaknesses, identify critical leadership blind spots holding you back. 
Members also get the extended interview where Antonio and I discuss the secret to aligning what you want as a manager and what your team member wants as a contributor. To get this guest bonus, the extended interview, and many more member benefits, become a member of Podcast Plus at themodernmanager.com slash more. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, 